Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. I'm Pastor Ruth Gardner and we are starting our series. We're continuing our series on tonight, The Secrets of Generational Curses by uh, Apostle Alexander Bergani. We are going to start our lesson. We're going to open up in prayer and we're going to go ahead and start. Go ahead, prophetess. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just want to say thank you for today, Father God. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for all that you've done for us today, Father God, as we got through today, God. And to this moment, Father God, we may study about the generational curses, Father God. We have a lot to learn, but we have a lot that we want to know and grow from, God, because we want to make sure that those curses do not go into our next generation. So God, we thank you for um for Apostle Pagani, and we thank you for the words that he has written for our understanding, and we thank you for our teacher, Pastor Ruth. We thank you for Pastor John and the VLCC family, and we just want to say thank you for what we're going to learn tonight, God, that we will, it will go down into our heart, Father God. We may hear from you, God, because these are things that we, we have been trying to figure out for years and and years, and now, Father God, you have put something in place to help us with our understanding. And for that, God, we say thank you so that our eyes will be open, our ears will be open to hear from you tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 We praise God on tonight. And so we're going to go into our reading discussion. We are now on the second half of chapter two, and we're starting at page number 42, um, and the section is titled The Footsteps. But just to give a little bit of a recap from last week, what we talked about, we talked about epigenetics modifications and how Alexander, uh, Apostle Alexander talked about how that phrase, I was born this way. Oh, there she goes. Amen. How I was born this way has really held to truth. Um, because of what the Bible says that we were shaped in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me. So he was saying that, you know, because of Adam and then certain things that was in us, we are born this way because with generational curses, we know that it travels through the bloodline and we know that epigenetic modification is um, the ability for our DNA to change. And we were talking about that genealogy in the study and how that is a true scientific study and a scientific proof that based on certain um, things that are past from things from our past can shape and develop within our DNA and carry down through genetics. And so he was kind of reinforcing that phrase that a lot of people use saying, I was born this way. He said, well, you probably, maybe it is true you were born this way because of the scripture that Jeremiah had said um, that before I, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So we knew, God knew who we were before we were reformed. So however, oh, wait a minute, I thought she got in. Okay. Sorry. And there she goes. So, um, being that we were shaped in this and being that it was formed in us beforehand, that phrase can be uh, something that is of legit. Then he also talked about, you know, curses wired to your last name, um, certain ways you were up brought, you know, so your upbringing, how you were raised can also um, 
open the door or allow curses, generational curses to flow down. Okay, and that's just giving a little recap from last week. Anyone else, anybody want to share anything else that we talked about? Pastor John, do you remember anything that we said that you want to bring to light? Oh, I do. <laughs> okay, no, go ahead, Pastor John, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, because I was just going to talk about, uh, you know, uh, probably going like a little bit deeper into the epigenetics for the people that weren't necessarily here for that. Go ahead. you're the nurse <laughs> no uh epigenetics is pretty much um the fact that the things that you do can that can affect your dna those things can actually be passed down through generations so when you talk about people having uh diabetes in their family and having different um diseases or stuff like that that's technically kind of a generational curse because of epigenetics is something that that wound up getting passed down through your bloodline mm -hmm. yes um one thing that he said too last week that I, I wrote a note on he said our purpose is determined before we are created that because of the scripture that jeremiah that uh god spoke to jeremiah said before i formed thee in the belly i knew thee um, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So our purpose is not kinetic to is not connected to our gender. So what we were supposed to be is um, who we are mm -hmm. um, spiritually, as far as our call, our walk. It's not connected to gender. Am I making sense? Anybody have any questions? No, you're making sense. Okay, good. All right. So that's something that he also pointed out. And he talked about David. And that was something that really caught our eye was the fact that David, um, because of what David had said, and when you look at history concerning David, um, his conception, how he was conceived, um there's a where is that book a book you probably know it prophetess um oh baba batra the babylonian talmud yes okay so it says looking at the story of david's birth from the plausible perspective sheds a bit more light on david he was saying, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me as to say that it was something that could, could depict that he was conceived out of wedlock or some other, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, um, sanctified because he said in sin, my mother conceived me. And there is in the Baba Batra, it says that, 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 okay, let me just say this part. Looking at what David's birth from this plausible perspective sheds a bit more light on why David stated in Psalms 51 that he was shaped in iniquity and in sin did his mother conceive him, not as in born in sin because of Adam, but as in willful transgression or not within the confines of marriage is what I'm saying far-fetched possibly, but this narrative is common in Jewish tradition, according to the Babylonian Talmud, Bava Batra. Feel free to look it up. So that was something that he was saying. And then when he made that comment and, and I saw that, I read that, I thought about that because of the fact that there's a possibility that David was conceived illegitimately out of wedlock or not in the confines of marriage and that maybe you know one of his parents you know was promiscuous or going outside of marriage that would explain why David looked upon Bathsheba now that was my food for thought just a thought and so um 
and then his son, which they had conceived, he he didn't live. And remember, David had mourned. He was he fasted. He was in sackcloth and ashes until the baby died. And once the baby died, then he got up. He he got himself together. And he kept on going. Um, but there was just something that they that he brought up, and it kind of made me look a little deeper into that whole statement. But when you get the book, Prophetess, you'll see what I'm talking about. But I don't want to go into it. We, we, we went into deep conversation with that. You got to read the podcast. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> you'll hear us from last week. But I just want to touch on some of the things that we talked about in the beginning of this chapter. It's really, really good. But the main thing that he talked about was epigenetic modification, how some things can carry through our genes and like we're predisposed to certain things that are already in our genes our dna and given the right situation or the right climate or the right scenario those genes can manifest those things can manifest in us you know like i was saying um for example i'm diabetic i know my daughters are predisposed to it because the gene is in me but if they if they eat right eat healthy exercise, do what they got to do, they may never ever develop diabetes. But given the right scenario, if they don't, they can because the gene is there. They're predisposed to it. That makes sense? Yeah, it reminds me of the BRCA gene. The what? The BRCA gene, the BRCA gene. BRCA 1 and 2 for breast cancer. Oh, yes, yes. Because yes. How, people, how people have been, um, they they have the, the testing because the mother or the grandmother, you know, a lot of women in the family died at an early age of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And if they carry that gene, most women and most doctors will um, recommend they have a mastectomy because of the BRCA gene um, that they, that they carry. So when you said that about the, about the genes and being predisposed, that's something that you can't control. Mm -hmm. in reference to you know as far as that is concerned mm -hmm. but as far as um even with diabetes whatever even the way we eat we've been predisposed to that because mm -hmm. if i grew up with fried chicken mashed potatoes and the whole nine yards the whole the whole bird and everything else <laughs> and you know and everything was fried but it was homemade right right so that's different it's kind of different but at the same time i know in my family it's diabetes and it's heart disease you know, and it goes from, and it's all the way down. I don't know how many generations it is now, but I got cousins my age with di they're diabetic. We're all in our sixties mm -hmm. and we're all diabetic, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, um, even though we're trying to do things to, you know, to stop it or to slow it down or just, you know, reverse it. But um, that makes sense in reference to the genetics. But then the other thing you talked about was how you were raised. And we talked about environment, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I can always relate to nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. You could, prime example, you could adopt a child. Child is brand new, innocent, right? You're raising that child to your standards the way you want the child to be raised. But when the child comes of age or turns to the teenager, some other stuff start coming out that you had nothing to do with. And that is in reference to the nature. Mm -hmm. of the child the genetics of the child what was the child predisposed to in the womb from their from their mom and you don't know that until the child gets older and you start to and we, you know if you adopt you can see their history and you kind of you know look for things that are coming but at the same time no matter how much you nurture nature is going to come out oh see now you just jump right ahead into the next section. oh i'm sorry let me go let me, let me put myself on mute bye no, 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 no. That was good. That leads up into what he's talking about and the footsteps. Very good. I mean, that's exactly what he's saying because um, footsteps is a track, um, the mark or impression of the foot token mark, visible sign of a course pursued as the footsteps of divine wisdom. And he take Jude chapter, um, Jude verse 11, what sorrow awaits them for they follow in the footsteps of Cain who killed his brother, like Balaam, they deceived people for money, and like Korah, they perished in their rebellion. So he goes and talks about these three people and how these three people have affected the church, affected the people 
today, even though these, this was thousands and thousands of years ago, these characteristics of these particular people happened. We know Cain was the first murderer. He killed Abel. And how many times we see people now today this murder? Murder. It says, um, he said, how can Cain born during the dawn of human civilization still cause humans to hate and kill each other? Korah's rebellion came during the time of Moses and yet pastors, leaders, and churches 3,500 years later are still dealing with rebellion within leadership of the church. And how can Balaam's deception cause the prophets of today to chase after greed and prophesy divination? These things happened so long ago, but we still see it. What's wow. That? Isn't that amazing? The biblical figures are long gone, but their footsteps, quote unquote, still linger through the same demonic strongholds and inspired such behavior and are still causing humans, Christians included, to pass this information from generation to generation. The spirit and functioning, attitude and impartation are embedded in the footsteps, which is why it was the custom in the Old Testament for students to ask for a double portion of the spirit of the rabbi training them. We see this in the story of Elijah's request to his mentor, Elijah. And he said something that I underlined. He said, footsteps predetermine the outcome of one's life. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our footsteps as Proverbs 16 and 9. So, so these footsteps are already deposited in our bloodline upon birth and they predetermine the walk we will carry out later. This is what you were talking about. When you adopt someone, you know, there's something that was a footstep or a footprint, um, you know, that, that something that's in that, that child that you don't know about. That's why some people, when they adopt, they try to see if they can find out any information about their parents. They try to see if they, you know, try to go and see, you know, even with, um, surrogacy um when like say some like a woman wants to you know have a child but don't want to go through the whole you know thing and they go to like a um to like a sperm donor or a sperm bank or whatever whatever you call it nowadays and they want to have artificial insemination and they ask questions about the 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 sperm donor color the hair the eyes um family background, you know, they give them like general stuff, but they look into that. Do they have any type of genetic, um, uh, any hereditary disorders or diseases, genetic, um, different things going on within the family line, all that. They take a history. And it's so amazing that this is connected to generational curses i mean when you think about it, it's like yeah it makes sense but you don't know think about it right like who thought i wouldn't i didn't until i read this book and then when we was talking about it the first night i had stated about genealogy and i said well this is connected to generational curses and sure enough here he is showing how it is but i never you know, it, would, it didn't cross my mind. Okay. When you were when you were talking about the history and how different characters or people in the Bible, um, their sins or whatever, whoever they were, influenced a generation, right? Mm -hmm. And it made me think about um, Noah and his daughters. And when, not Noah, oh God, who is it? Lot. No. The two daughters that had sex with their father. It was- um, Lot, it was Lot. 
when they flee from Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, it was a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at that, the Moabites were formed because of that, right? And then when you look at the history between Israel and the Middle East and how the divide, we had the divided kingdom. You know, remember the kingdom was divided, Judah and Israel. Yep. And then Israel had to go into the and get this. Um, Israel was crushed by the Assyrians, and then Judah conquered Babylonia. So it's like a all, all back and forth. Um, we look at the genealogy when we when we're reading the genealogy, it, it seems boring, whatever. But when you pay attention, tribes forms um, tribes and, and people were formed out of those relationships, mm -hmm. out of who begat who and who begat who. And so when you look at, now you look at Israel's fighting the Middle East, mm -hmm. this is not new. Mm -mm. They were fighting in the Old Testament, right? So when you look at you look at the history, it's like, oh, so this is why, you know, the Middle East is this way and this is why Israel's this way. And because they're still fighting because they're worshiping two different gods. If that makes sense. Oh, no. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it just made me think about it when you were talking about it. So. Yeah, because that's, that's he, he mentions this in the book. <laughs> you know what? That's not fun. That's not fair. <laughs> I haven't even read the book yet. Exactly. That's why I said you, um, that, this, is, this is one of the books. This is, to me, this is a book that you don't want to get on Kindle. You want to buy the paper. You want to buy the book. Because it's so much information that you're gonna go back over it. Just like the secrets to deliverance, that book, that book, that's that's a pick up the shelf and read again book. Yeah, because I'm still tripping over them houses. Yes. And them and, and them, the <laughs> rooms and the windows. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. And even with um, like you know, the begats, the genealogy where it says this would be even though like you said it's long, it would be who us. I'm saying us. To go back and really look at who is in that bloodline because there was a lot because it talks about um it says on page 44 i'm gonna read this well it talks about faith and blessings can be inherited so it's not only just curses you know we can find favor and favor will carry down through generation to generation, as long as you, you know, stay with God, just like with Noah and Enoch, you know, Enoch walked with God and Noah was the great, great, great grandson. How many greats was it in front of his name, y'all? I think it was three. Three, yeah. He was a great, great, yeah. Yeah, I just turned off on it. Yeah, Noah was perfect in his gener gen generations, meaning that his bloodline was free from any epigenetic modification. And I know he received it from his great-grandfather, Enoch. Yeah, Enoch. It was not great-great. It was great-grandfather, Enoch. The Bible says that Enoch walked so closely with God that God took him. Enoch was so full of God that his son Methuselah became the oldest person who ever lived. Three generations later, a man named Lamech gave birth to a son called and called him Noah. And the rest is history. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was um, also in, that, in chapter two. So it talks about how blessings can go also travel down through generations, just the way, the same way as generational curses. Um, but what I was getting ready to read is on page 44. It says the whole revelation of spiritual paternity or embracing your spiritual father and mother is not about control. It's about spiritual DNA, inheritance, and legacy. Because when that's why when they were saying Elijah, with Elijah, he was asking, give me a double portion of your, of your spirit. He wanted a double portion. He wanted a double portion of his blessings because that is what he wanted to be in transferred into him and to transfer down to his for generation for generation so um there is such a thing as um having the spiritual dna inheritance and legacy so when we have spiritual parents the spiritual father the spiritual mother it's not so much about them trying to be controlling you know even though we have some 
um, leaders who kind of fall over into that category. But now all spiritual fathers and mothers are about control, but it's about just having an impartation of what's in them that's godly transferred into you. Oh, excuse me. It's about receiving spiritual resources from someone who's already paved the way and can help you reach your fulfilled potential in Christ. They can teach you how to surrender to Christ. They can model what is like to spend hours in prayer seeking God. They can display Christ-like character during times of suffering for the cause of Christ. They can instill in you the honor of total surrender to scripture. Generational blessings can open doors for you that normally would take years to walk through. Someone already obtained it for you. Someone pioneered it for you. Someone nurtured it for you. Ask the Holy Spirit right now to show you where the generational blessing is coming from and make it your business to never lose it. Okay, so then he talked, goes on to, oh, this part, kicking about in your own blood. This is where I was talking, going to, um, let me see where I can read it. I want to read a whole thing because then I sound like I'm reading a book to y'all. I'm trying not to do that, but there's so much in this book that I can't help it. Okay, kicking about in your own blood, page 45. Ezekiel chapter 16 gives the best description and revelation concerning generational curses of any place in scripture. Now, before we go into that, does anyone have anything to say? I know Elder Joy, you read it, and Pastor John, you kind of browsed through it. Is there anything that you found that I've overlooked? Because I'm, you know, I'm kind of burning through pages. Anything you want to point out that we discussed so far before? We go into kicking in his own blood. No, you pretty much hit everything. Okay. Pastor John, you good? Pastor John, you good? Hello, Pastor John. Okay. I'm sitting here talking. <laughs> <laughs> I thought my mic was all on the whole time. I didn't see your mouth moving, but go ahead. You saw, oh, you saw my mouth moving? No, I didn't. Oh, probably because my head's down. But I was saying, uh, not like everything from the the you know beginning of the chapter that I really really gravitated to was the parts about mentors. Yeah, you know, I highlighted some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say elder. Oh, I'm gonna say elder Shamin. Shamin, do you have any questions? Prophesy. <laughs> no, no questions. Okay. All right. You good so far? You you following along? Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. So now, kicking about in your own blood in cha Ezekiel chapter 16. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 16 because um. I want to read it. It reads, I think they have it written in, I don't know which version this is. It might be just plain English version, but I want to read it in. Can somebody get the King James version for me? And if anybody else had, you know, Amplified Classic or, you know, another version, I just want to see what it says. But let's describe what happened when Ezekiel wrote this. I'm just reading the book. Israel was in Babylonian captivity because God had exhausted all his mercy toward them after King Manasseh plunged the nation into 52 years of the most detestable idolatry Israel had ever seen. Prophet Jeremiah had prophesied that the nation would be sent into captivity for 70 years under the discipline, disciplining hand of God. While various prophets began to hear the word of the Lord, no one heard and saw into the dimension of the spirit more than Ezekiel. Okay, so Ezekiel kind of pretty much went in, like, like, went in. And um, who got King James? Anybody get J King James? Yeah, I have it. Okay. So you want the, the whole chapter 16 or just what verses? Yeah, um, verses three. Charging three. process has begun. 
my phone. Charge um, verses three through six. Okay. It says, and say, thus saith the Lord unto Jerusalem, thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity in the day thou was born, thou thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee. Thou was not salted at all, nor swallowed at all. None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou was cast out in an open field to the loathing of thy person in the day that thou was born. And when I passed by thee, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live ye. I say unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Mm. That's the end of six. Okay. Okay. Um, um, all right. Now I got, I, anybody have another version? I have Amplified if you want to Amplify Classic. Go ahead, girl. You know I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, because that was a lot of B's and dials in that one, girl. I have, and I'm going to read NIV, so we're going to get three <laughs> three different versions, but go ahead. And say, thus says the Lord to Jerusalem, representing Israel, your spiritual origin and your birth are thoroughly Canaanitish. Your spiritual father was an Amorite, and your spiritual mother a Hittite. And as for you, and as for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water to cleanse you, nor rubbed with salt or swaddled with bands at all. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you, but you were cast out in the open field, for your person was abhorrent and loathsome on the day that you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you rolling about in your blood, I said to you in your blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, I said to you still in your natal blood, live. Mm. My, my. All right, now here's NIV. And say, this is what the sovereign Lord says to Jerusalem. Your ancestry and birth were in the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. On the day you were born, your core was not cut, nor were you washed with water to make you clean, nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in cloths. No one looked on you with pity or had compassion enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out in the open field. For on the day you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by and saw you kicking about in your blood. And as you, and as you lay there in your blood, I said to you, live. Okay. Okay. So, amen. you got something, Pastor John? No, I said amen. <laughs> oh, this is the part. I really liked how he starts breaking all this down. Okay. So. God begins by revealing both where Jerusalem was located and the genealogy origins of those who founded the city. He starts off by saying, you are nothing but a Canaanite, implying that the land was already cursed. Why? Because Noah cursed Canaan. Ooh, it's getting good. Okay, Noah cursed Canaan. That's in Genesis chapter nine. We all know about that, remember? Mm -hmm. Okay. When his father, he Noah cursed Canaan, Ham's son. Because when his father, when Canaan's father, Ham, saw Noah's nakedness and tried to expose him to his brother. Canaan was Ham's firstborn son and ultimately the recipient of a curse that will remain active up until the cross of Christ. What does this mean? God was saying, you were born cursed from your very inception. There was already a curse applied through your great, 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 
grandfather, Ham. We too are born in sin as a result of not just Adam's sin, but also the personal sins of our ancestors. God gives a description of the maternal and paternal origins of the city of Jerusalem from the father's side, Amorite, and from the mother's side, Hittite. Look at the Hebrew meanings of each. That is important. Names carry meanings. I say it. Now be careful what you name your child. Canaanite. Okay, okay Cadillac. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Mr. Bishi. Canaanite. Yeah, right. Canaanite means to be depressed. Lowland. Wait, 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 wait. wait. And, 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 and Elder Joyous version, is it, it was a Canaanish? You acted Canaan, it was an ish on the end. Uh-huh. <laughs> like backish. Yeah, right. Canaanite-ish. Right, right, right. Wait a minute. What, really? Mm -hmm. But you know we're Hamites, right? African-Americans are Hamites. Here we go. Oh, I'm sorry. Bye. Canaanites <laughs> to be depressed. Amorites means bitter, rebel, a babbler, highland peoples. So you got highland peoples and you got lowland peoples. Hence Babylon. Hittite means terror or trouble. So if we were to substitute the Hebrew meanings of the names and insert them into the verses we just read, this is how it would read. It is safe to say this is probably what God was saying. Okay, now I'm going to read what we just read, but I'm going to insert the words, the meanings of the words. Excuse me. You were born depressed because your father was bitter and your mother was terrible. This is what he's saying to Jerusalem. This would explain uh, a lot. Go ahead. What'd you say? <laughs> no, I just said wow. <laughs> this this is where you this is what you were saying. This would explain a lot as to why Jerusalem throughout the Old Testament and even today has been a troubled city. Many times in scripture, other nations are quoted as saying that Jerusalem is a troublemaker city filled with violence. There is no different for most people who are born into the world. They are born into trouble. God goes on to say to Jerusalem that the day you were founded as a city, no one cut your umbilical cord, implying the, the city still had a deep connection to its mother. Terrible. Hittite. Right here, it's clear that the stronger hereditary sins were among were coming from the mother's side because he was he 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 referenced them to as being still connected to their mother. The, the umbilical cord was not cut, so the main um, uh, bloodline was the mother concerning Jerusalem. Many of you can identify with this. Although both of your parents may have had issues, usually there was one side you carried the most hereditary sins from as opposed to the other. So you can sit back and look what, at some people and you can tell whether they got it from their mother's side or got it from their father's side. True that, but I got a question. Yes. All right. You know I'm, you know I'm, I'm listening. So I'm picturing... His umbilical cord is not cut, but they threw him in the field. But if it wasn't cut, that means it was still attached to the mother, right? Or was that the, what did the afterbirth? I, I'm just, I'm like, they you threw being, him in the field. Where was he? <laughs> you being graphic. Um, I'm honestly, being what? Graphic. Honestly, um, oh, it does not make that that um reference. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I, that's why I was just listening. I'm like, that's very interesting. They threw him in the. He, they didn't cut the umbilical cord, and they threw him in the field, which means that it. it I don't it know. It could be. It could be still connected to you know the afterbirth. Right. That's true. That's true. I was just that was just a wild picture that you was talking. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. You always told you this is where it starts getting good. Huh? <laughs> told you this is where it starts getting good. He mm -hmm. really starts going into this. 
The verse continues saying that no one took the time to cut your umbilical cord, implying that the needs to be done by someone who knows how to cut it. Someone specialized in helping people cut ties to ungodly things. Helping people break ties who are still connected to the mother. This is a clear depiction of helping people break generational curses. This is this this is it. No one, he said, no one took the time to cut your umbilical cord. You were still connected to the generational curse of your mother, your mother's side. If you're having a hard time seeing that in this verse, maybe it's because someone told you that generational curses do not exist for the believer. God continues saying that no one washed you. There is only one way you can be washed, and that is through the word. See Ephesians chapter 5. When a person is taken through deliverance and the generational curses are renounced and revoked, there has to be a declaration of scripture to wash the person thoroughly from all the filth the curse caused in their life and also to establish some rules so they don't get cursed again. What does Ephesians 5 say? What is he talking about? Anybody look at that? Ephesians 5. Oh, wow. I got it. Oh. It's a lot. What, what part of the whole chapter? I know, right? <laughs> the whole, at least 1 to 15. It's just all kind. Well, Ephesians chapter five kind of tells you what to do once you get free. That's right. It's pretty much saying. So be, be ye therefore followers of God mm -hmm. as their children and walk in love as Christ also have loved us and Ooh. have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savior. Mm -hmm. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetedness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not covenant, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, no unclean person, no covetous man who is an adulterer have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ of God. That's mm -hmm. one through five. Mm -hmm. There you go. Verse number eight, for you were once dark, um, NIV, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Yeah, so it's pretty much telling you, you know, once you get out of darkness, you are to stay in the light, walk in the light, and stay in the light. Okay, so um, going, I'm on page 49. Um, in the Old Testament, God tried to do this through the law of Moses and the prophets, but people rejected him and even killed many of them. Because so, okay, so they was trying to make a declaration. They were trying to show them how, the word, washing in the word, and what they should do with the with the um commandments, and they 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 didn't want to hear it. They started killing the prophets. They didn't they. They didn't want to hear it. Um, so um, this is why Jesus wept over Jerusalem because he was there to break their curses, but they refused and ultimately had Pontius Pilate crucify the one sent to cut their umbilical cord and wash them. He doesn't say it in the book, but I know traditionally... It's fathers that cut the umbilical cord mm -hmm. mm. um, and the baby. So when he was making that reference, I was just like, fathers. So when he said that, I was just like, fathers, Jesus came. He was God in flesh. He came as a father to cut the umbilical cord. <laughs> Ooh, shatarabashata. Dando. <laughs> Girl, that's that. Now see, that's, rev that's revelation right there. 
that's revelation. Yes. That is awesome. Fathers wasn't there. Right. The a washing is needed because the baby. Oh, I'm sorry. You can ready to say something else, Julia? Oh, no, I'm good. Oh. Um, the, this act of washing is needed because the baby is wallowing in blood, meaning there is bloodline issues. My heart is pounding as I type this because it's extremely clear that this metaphor fits the title of this book. The secret to generational curses is hidden in this text that God is revealing. Oh, you need a father to cut the umbilical cord and the washing. Oh, now here's interesting. Rubbing salt on a newborn after cleansing off the blood is an ancient practice, though no longer practiced in Western civilization. It was done to ensure the child's skin would harden after washing. Salt is used to dry up water, and as it does, the skin hardens. During deliverance to break generational curse curses, we are helping someone to harden their resistance against opening the door to the iniquities they just got delivered from. If they don't, it is more than likely this person will revert to bondage, just like the city of Jerusalem. God would send breakthrough at the breakthrough, but they would eventually fall back into sin. Hmm. Deliverance workers training to help people break curses must also help them become militant through scripture to maintain their freedom and harden up against sin, the flesh, and the devil. Finally, the newborn is wrapped in swaddling cloth. This is where we call on the Holy Spirit to fill all areas once dominated by demons and curses and saturate them with his presence. Without this, the newborn is uncovered and vulnerable to attack. The act of covering is the Holy Spirit's function once a person gets set free from a curse. That was awesome. Yes, I love that breakdown, how he broke down, with like, I mean, it's basically like salvation right here, just wrapped up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, 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 mm. It wasn't until the day of Pentecost that Jerusalem received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But again, most of the people refused. In a deliverance session, the Holy Spirit will cause the believer to surrender their mind, will, and emotions to him, providing a spiritual covering and protection. First Peter says that what Israel and the prophets wore wasn't for themselves, but for us. And then he reads First uh, Peter 1 and 12. They were told that their messages were not for themselves, but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Okay, so that covers about being kicked about in, in your own blood. It's amazing how he took that scripture and he was talking about Jerusalem. But this is where it's like trauma. This is how it entered in through trauma. Here, this child, this newborn, this baby, this infant was birthed with no covering, no love, no nurturing, like you were saying, um, prophetess, just, just thrown out in the streets, laying by the wayside, exposed, no one to nurture it, kicking in his own blood. Like it was just kicked to the side of the other road to die. Left for dead. And now he goes in to talk about trees, the family, and fruit. Let me wrap this up. Um, so it talks about good fruit and bad fruit. And um, there's a couple of scriptures, Psalms 1 and 3, that talks made a reference to trees. And we shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water to bring forth fruit. Bring forth his fruit in the season. His leaves shall, shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. 
And then when he um when he talked about Jesus putting the um trying to give sight to the blind man, he's first thing he said, I see men as trees. He was saying that that was written. This is not written here for no reason, nor is this story trying to say that Jesus liked the power to heal the man the first time that he laid his hands on him. I believe it was purposely left in scripture to further drive the revelation of men being trees and these trees bearing fruit. Um, not all trees are humans give good fruit and not all trees give bad fruit. You know, but we all agree that a tree will bear fruit. So there's good fruit and there's bad, bad fruit. Um, there's no way around it. What a person has in his heart would eventually be displayed by actions or expressed by the words spoken out of his mouth. And uh, Luke chap chapter six, verses 43 and 45, he talks about one bringing forth good fruit. A good tree does not bear, bring bear bad fruit and a bad tree does not bear good fruit for every tree is known by its own fruit. But men do not gather figs from thorns nor they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of good treasure of his heart bring forth good and the evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Okay. And so then it goes on to talk about trees and Daniel talks about reference to his dreams about trees and that um, how the king had a dream and Daniel interpreted and the king saw a big tree and he um, referenced a tree to Nebuchadnezzar. And one thing that he said on top of page 53, he said, "You can, so as you can see, all humans beings are trees in the garden of God. Understanding this will help you make sense of the concept of a family tree or why we even use that term. Um, scripture. He also goes into explaining how lots of times in the Bible, when you see um, the scripture reference to trees, um, it could be metaphorically um, interpreted as, you know, human, human beings, that we are viewed as trees in the garden of God, um, which I thought was a very, very beautiful thing to say. Um, so, uh, okay. All right. Without making this revelation of the tree a doctrine, because it's not. Now, every time you read in scripture where the text speaks of these of trees, you can safely look at it symbolically, not all the time, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will show you and make the correlation to people, households, or bloodlines would lead us to Aaron's rod blossoming. And then he talks about how Aaron rod blossoms and how Korah, who was a relative of Moses and Aaron, by the way, Korah, you know, he tried to, decided, you know, cause a mutiny against Moses and Aaron talking about God doesn't just speak to you. He speaks to me too. He speaks to all of us and blah, 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 blah. And so they decided to, everybody gets a branch from their family to represent their family, their tribe. They put it in this, in the, um, they place it before the tabernacle and they will come back the next day and see whoever's branch or rod budded, that's who God has honestly chosen as their spokesperson. And we know the story that when they came back, Aaron's rod budded, blossomed, and had almonds on it. I said, God, I, I laughed because I said, God was making sure without a doubt, y'all know exactly who I'm talking about. Now, all he did it, but it, it blossomed and it had almonds on it. So, okay, so he's making it perfectly clear who the chosen spokesperson was. And, and I thought that was really funny. I just thought that was funny. So, um, so he talks about that. And um, so in numbers, he told Moses to do this and that we will be able to make it in and put an end to these people murmuring and complaining against you. Like I'm tired of these folks bucking up against you. I'm tired of these folks 
giving you a hard time. Let's settle this once and for all. And there, we, there you have it. Now, if I'm not mistaken, Okay, because here it is, number 17, verse 8. The following day, when Moses, Aaron, and the elders of Israel returned to the tabernacle, they found Aaron's staff, representing the tribe of Levi, had sprouted, budded, blossomed, and produced ripe almonds. <laughs> Why would God require a staff to be brought to the tabernacle? Because a staff is a piece of wood that is cut from a tree. A staff is a really large branch, and it represents particular households from a family tree. Even Jesus in scripture is called the branch. So yeah, so tree is lot is used lot to represents family bloodlines and uh, people. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so now we talk about, we're almost done. I know we're taking a long time. Are y'all still with me? <laughs> there's so much in it I'm, I'm almost done let's start here okay page 55 um he goes on to talk about the two staffs represent particular families of israel called one favor and the other union meaning that these households will experience the favor of god all their days and he says if you're reading this i want you to claim that for your family Claim that God's favor will be upon you and your bloodline and that you will all serve God. I have always said that, claimed that, spoke that, decreed that, prayed that, shouted that, stamped on it, shout on it, danced on it, screamed on it, cried on it. <laughs> and I still, to this day, dance on that. I decree it. That my bloodline will all serve God. That's me hitting my desk. Okay. You don't have to just settle for just being saved and going through the motions. You can have life and life more abundantly. If heaven can decree favor over a staff, heaven also wants to decree healing, wants to decree breakthrough, wants to decree excellence or honor over you. God also decreed that there will be a union the text doesn't say exactly what that union would consist of, but we can speculate that there were things heaven was going to unite with them. Without getting all preachy, I want God to bring me into union with the right people, with the right relationships, the right choices, with the right decisions. I want my life to be in union with the Holy Spirit and the word of God so that everything I do pleases him. That's my prayer. That is my heart's desire. I just want to be connected with good people, righteous people, saved people. Uh-oh, we lost John, Pastor John. Come on back in, Pastor John. Come on back in, Pastor John. You went out, you, you, you had to get up and go shout. You had to get up and no, shout for a minute. My laptop just died and just didn't even warm me. It just died out of nowhere. <laughs> I was like, what the world just happened? <laughs> I thought you I thought you disconnected and started shouting. Uh but <laughs> anywho, um, so there we go. That's that's favor. Now there's a flip side. All right. When a family start this now, this this all right, I'm gonna say this real nice and slow and clear. But there is a flip side to that. When a family that started out honoring God and everything they do abandons the law of God and reverts to living in sin, well, that same measure of favor gets cut off and God does the opposite. Then I took my staff called favor and cut it in two, showing that I had revoked the covenant I had made with all the nations. That was the end of my covenant with them. The suffering flock was watching me and they knew that the Lord was speaking through my actions favor cut in two. So favor can, can be upon your life as long as you're connected with God and you're walking in the statutes of God and you're being led of the spirit of God and you're doing everything that God likes and requires 
But as soon as you stop and you convert and you start living in sin, you, you lose that favor. And, 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 and even sometimes God will take his hand off of you and just let the enemy just run amok. Depending upon how far away you are from him, how far away you have allowed sin to disconnect you, how far away you are from just obeying God, how, how deep are you embedded in that sin? How deep have you gotten yourself, this mess you got yourself into? How big is this mess? How deep have you gone um, from God? How far have you distanced yourself from God? Okay, because you can, you know, he extends mercy after a while. You know, he'll give you warning after warning. He'll give you chance after chance. He'll extend mercy. But if you continue that that down that road, after a while, he's like, okay, he, no favor. And he lets you go to your own own desires and lusts. He let you have it. So right now, ask the Lord to, to cause your staff, your life and family to be blessed and sprout so that all your branches, your descendants can be under the blessing of the Lord. Prayer of family blessing. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm asking that you would cause your favor and union to fall upon me and my family I'm asking you to, to help us to know you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we close this chapter, we only scratch the surface of what heaven is going to show you. Get yourself a pad and a pen to write down what the Holy Spirit will reveal to you. As you continue to read this book, you will be challenged, you will be confronted, but you will heal and you will also be set free. Get ready because there is a lot more to go. May the righteous judge give you strength as your trial of being set free begins. Ooh. And the next chapter is titled The Curse in the Courtroom. Woo! Oh God. That's it. Father, we thank you for this lesson, we thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for revelation. We thank you, Lord God, for understanding. We ask you, oh God, that as we read and as we study and get information, Father, we pray that we're able to apply it to our daily lives. Father, that we will continue to seek you for guidance, seek you for healing, seek you for deliverance, seek you for understanding. Father, we know that this is not your sacred word, but it is a, a guide. It is a book that would help us to go further and deeper understanding of your word. And Father, we thank you. We pray that you will continue to bless the author, continue to bless his ministry. Father, we pray that you touch his body. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray that you will continue to open our eyes and give us revelation. Father, even on tonight, as you expounded the word, as you gave revelation on top of revelation, Father, we thank you. We ask you to continue to lead us and guide us. And Father, we pray that you would bless us with favor, bless our families, bless our children and our children's children. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that the staff of favor will follow us through generations. Father, I pray that you will cover us and I decree that my family will live and follow after you and that we will all will serve you. Father, I thank you thank you now hallelujah that our families are saved that favor is upon our families and that our homes are healed father we thank you that there's order in the house hallelujah we thank you father that there's healing in the house father we thank you that your angels are encamped round about us and father as we lay down to sleep tonight father we thank you for good rest we thank you for good sleep we thank you, God, for peaceful dreams, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that you have to speak to us, Father. Speak to us in dreams and in visions. Father, we thank you for all that you are doing for us. Father, we love you and we honor you and we give you all praise, glory, and honor. And Father, I pray for each and every one that is on tonight that as they go to sleep, Father, that they will not lose any rest, that they will wake up tomorrow morning refreshed, renewed, ready to take on the day. And Father, we'll forever give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. 
And we also ask you, Lord God, that you continue to bless Israel. We pray for Israel. We pray for everything that is going on over in the Middle East. Father, we pray, oh God, that you will cover your children in the name of Jesus. And we pray all these blessings in your son Jesus' name, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.